Hi, and welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television that you watch with your third eye. And I'm R. Neville Johnston. And uh, this evening in the Mayan is Twelfth uh, Tone. And interestingly enough, uh, the sign of the storm is actually the translation of it. And it's, uh, I dedicate in order to catalyze. Well, we've been doing that all day, dedicating in the interest of catalyzation and resulting in uh, universalizing energy, which is a very good technique. And uh, that very much describes the day and the day's uh, particular remembering. So the plus that it's a 12-tone, which is an overall organization of things called the crystal tone. So as a scientist, we who are scientists know that if you supersaturate a solution, it will, at a certain saturation, just turn to crystal. <clears throat> and that is what today has looked like, it just um, putting more and more into something, and voila, there it is as a crystal. So this evening's show can be on the subject of uh, taking command of your life. And the reason it came up is that um, we here are in the process of uh, the holidays, and um, there's a crescendo of energy today as everything is crystallizing, as everything is becoming, uh, taking a new form. And um, we'd like to set back and uh, free ourselves from frenzy and the word have, words have to, and the idea of uh, being motivated not by the sense of um, graciousness, which is the idea of the holidays, the sense of giving and love, but of um, this motivation that reveals itself to be our own lack of self-esteem. So no, uh, and I can remember in years having gone by, finished my Christmas shopping by late October, I still found myself buying gifts and more gifts and more gifts throughout the time based on not feeling well enough about myself. So for the next hour, uh, how about claiming this next hour for you yourself? How about the idea of I'm going to take time off from everything that I'm supposed to be doing and I'm going to sit and relax and just be me without any doing involved uh, and with being involved, I am going to be me. Now, just this moment to reset. You know how we have uh, critical moments in our lifetime that we look at uh, years from now? I can remember uh, I lived in an apartment building in San Francisco when I was 19. And I remember just um, landing on the landing of the steps down from the apartment and I just knew that moment was so unusual that I sort of recorded the, the steps, the carpet, the situation, the way I felt, where I was going. Just took a photograph of that moment and have over the many years since then occasionally gone back to that place just to reset myself. And so maybe now, or maybe not, but the idea of taking a um, snapshot of what you're doing and just freeze-framing it, and keeping that as a place where you can have a reference to, because those are always change points where you spontaneously recall an event. 
and the change. So change is another one of these things we humans play with. Uh, there's um, the idea that change is very valuable to us because of the potential, and the idea that change is very frightening to us because of the unknown. Okay, well, the first thing we can set in there is that everything that happens is on your side. We may not know that to begin with, but we certainly will come to that realization. It's a matter of when. If you recall 20 years ago or 10 years ago where something appeared to be, pardon the word, wrong, and now with 10 years or 20 years of contemplation, you just recognize it as a change point where you made a different decision about who you would be and what you would do. Nothing the matter with it. That at the time it appeared to be disastrous. So just for this time, just for this hour, take this for you, not that you couldn't do that forever, not that you would necessarily return to a um, less than blissful state of mind. Just take a moment for you. You're allowed to. And just be happy with you. And just look at what a champion you are. And just be proud of the hits we've taken in life. And that we uh, no hit was too great for us. We survive it all. Or we choose the gate. doesn't make any difference. So just to have a higher self-esteem, basically what this program is all about. Now, Mary and I, for many years, have talked about relieving ourselves of holiday guilt, the oblige, the unending torrent of uh, spending. And, uh, and just to, just, let's just put that to rest, just even if it's for a few moments, and allow ourselves to appreciate who it is we are. Now, the recent eclipse, which seems to have had an enormous effect on many people that I've talked to. I don't know if you were aware of the eclipse. It was a big news item just a few days ago. And uh, we were out there at, I think that was around 3 in the morning. And the uh, moon did indeed become a copper disk. thought it was a giant penny up there, but still, medium-sized penny, fine. Uh, but the following morning, there was just a set of revelations in place which we'd like to tag for you. We'd like to put markers on that. This moment of seeing the moon turn copper, and it is a moment now in memory. At the time, it was, my God, I'm cold. Is that thing ever going to move? <laughs> Why aren't I filming this? This camera doesn't take a picture well enough at that moment. But now, it's just a moment. It's just a transitional moment. And the transition is interesting to talk about. Because I believe um, those ready for it, those who made the decision, woke up at a higher level of consciousness. That is uh, more or less the point. And for those that missed it, no worries. It happens again, I think, in 80 years, roughly, give or take a few years. So you can either reincarnate or catch it by deciding to live a few hundred years. And then after that, I think it's 340 years before that happens again. So for sure, we can reincarnate and form sort of a, I like that particular eclipse club. Well, it would give us something to do, but that's, again, between world stuff. So we did an event based on it, the new, the, pardon me, the eclipse full moon. 
And we normally do a full moon event where we're ringing crystal bowls and leading a meditation. And I thought I would recite for the benefit of those of us who are interested, since it won't happen again for 84 years, roughly. The particular thing that I did was to reveal what has been uh, absolutely years of my life, in which um, first thing in the morning, uh, and by that I mean one in the afternoon, possibly two, um, I build the Merkava. And I build this coming out of sleep. It's a very interesting thing. I'm often in dreams while I'm building the Merkava. The border between my sleep and my awake has been dramatically shifted by this habituation of building the Merkava. If that's unfamiliar, there's... um, Uh, We occasionally offer a class in building the Merkaba, and I know there's uh, information on the web about it, but before you run off to find the information on the web, uh, it is building, I call it an auric field makeover, you build a starulated tetrahedron around your body uh, with a series of six, six breaths, and then you build a pranic tube and light a sphere, um, inside your body, build the sphere, and then shift the location of it. And then after three stabilizing breaths, you shift into fourth dimension. And I do this as I'm waking up. And then I do a series of trinities and a series of four-sided meditations. And I'm going to talk about the first trinity. And... um, which seems to be an interesting subject to me and thought you might like it. So the first trinity is um, consistent with the review of dreams. Now, if I'm in this process of waking up, it's fairly easy to disturb we humans when we are transitioning from sleep to wake. So if the... um, line is left intact, I go over the dreams I've had, which would be the first thing I do after I've entered the fourth dimension through the Merkaba. The dreams. And then there's um, some time spent in what's called conscious breath, where you to, to eliminate the monkey mind. And I found I can get up before the monkey mind. Ah, yes, there we go. Uh, But this endless chatter that drives us uh, usually starts with what we don't like about yesterday, and then that just destroys any smooth entry into the uh, sacred and holy opportunity of the new day. So provided we're not shattering, and provided we can allow the monkey mind not to switch on quite yet, and go into the conscious breathing. Now the thing about the conscious breathing is there is a point at which a vortex opens, and a thought from, shall we call it God, shall we call it higher self, shall we call it, uh, I would prefer soul, from the part of us uh, that is the flow that we are through the universe that happens to be currently occupying a human body and having human experiences and proceeding to be, well, human. And this is one of the few places I've found where the language is correct. We are human beings. And the cliché at this point, which used to be really 
cutting edge uh, human being rather than a human doing. So actually being, and uh, that's difficult to understand because um, everybody is doing. So uh, Eckhart Tolle's joke, uh, you tell a young person about being, and that person says, being, what do I do with it? So the idea of the being. Now the being's an interesting subject to me. So after the review of dreams, the conscious breath, I go to meet with a part of me that I call the primary self. Okay, now the primary self, just for you to be able to find it, and we'll go there in a moment if you wish. The primary self is the part of you that made the decision to separate from God, to become you, the individual, separate from God, but has not yet made the decision to incarnate. Separate from God, but not yet experienced, not yet with the, what comes with incarnations. And what comes with incarnations is experience. Okay. So the part of you separate from God that has not yet experienced. Voila, that place. Now, I found it spontaneously one day. I was just drawn to this place in space again and again and again. Every morning I would end up in this place. I eventually built my own planet there, but that's a whole other program. I go to this place in space, and I finally get to the point where the question that anyone would ask, who are you? To get the answer back, I'm you. And I go, great, tell me about that. Tell me more about me. Tell me about what's going on here. And so the being, who was still more God than anything else, one of the first remembrances, one of the first teachings from this part of me, was that, <clears throat> well, truly, a power and love are synonyms. And so the person on earth who is the most loving person on earth will therefore be the most powerful. And if you haven't done the math on this, think about that. The person who would um, love their enemies, which are enemies. And I notice this all the time in the world. I saw someone asking, uh, where is the butter in some grocery store? And I knew right where the butter was. And I was suddenly, see, what you don't like about the other person is what you don't like about you. So this person, rather than use their <clears throat> built-in radar to find the butter, wanted to be told where it was. Okay, fine. And that's what I don't like about me, that I would ask for things that I can already do. You follow that? So therefore, I didn't. What you don't like about the homeless is that you could be a person who is homeless. So your dislike of yourself copies right over on that other person. That's what we do all the time. I, it's a wonderful game. I'm waiting for it to burn out. But I still see it functioning in me. So what we don't like about the other person is in reality what we don't like about ourselves. What you hate, you recreate. And all the rest of that we've taught so many times on this program. So I'm there in space. I've met the huge, huge part of me that is the primary self who explains 
The more loving you are, the more powerful you are. And you can see that. And in fact, if you were consistently loving, you would be consistently quite powerful to the point that, you know, the um, saw Dharma and Greg rerun where the evil um, karate person, and there's nothing evil about karate, was attacking Dharma, and she says, all right, you ask for it, I love you. And the person went, ah. <laughs> you know, uh, it is, it is the powerful thing. All right, so that lesson, which gave me a, a blog that I wrote called um, da, 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 Naive and Amateur. It's the name of the blog. It's on Blogville, wherever that is. Strangely enough, under my name, if you want to read this out. The, um, okay, so when we are naive, we still love more than not. We still love more than hate. We still love really in a childlike and wondrous way, and we are therefore naive. Now, the minute uh, that you break your heart, and we all make that choice for some reason, the minute we break our heart, then we are no longer naive and are therefore referred to as, what is that word? We are referred to as professionals. Ah, okay. Now, amateur, which is a French word originally, amateur, uh, is the person that does what they do because they love to do it. And if I was going to have anyone work on me or anything like that, I would prefer an amateur because they are doing it out of love. I've spent a lot of my life as an amateur. This entire program is done by, forgive me guys, amateurs, because everybody's here doing it because they would love to do it. This crew still astounds me that they come every week and they film Mary and I and we broadcast this out and everybody does so without pay. So we are all amateurs and for the world that I know, I think someone who's an amateur is a better bet because the professional is defined by having a broken heart if you see my logic in that. Interestingly enough, nothing against professionals. We're all professionals as well. So we can do both, but okay. Now this was one lesson, one moment of experiencing with this primary self, which was at least seven, eight years ago, at least, where I, I made this connection and it still permeates out. So the idea of Oh, anyone can call in with questions at any time, by the way, or dreams or whatever you would like to call into uh, the show for, because we're very open to assisting everyone. Now, the further exploration of this primary self. At first, it was just an interesting spot in space that I didn't have any real design for. And then uh, one morning, when I came to this place, it became very easy to find the place because I had spent some time looking for it. In fact, virtually every day, it took me a certain amount of time in order to connect to this spot. And then I realized, how ironically, that this spot, 
I cannot not be connected to. That like all the rest of the universe, it is me. Now, it is a particularly interesting spot in the universe, but I'm there the moment I choose to be there. Although I do like to be concentrating to journey to that particular spot so that I'm not otherwise distracted by keeping the monologue going on TV or whatever it is that might distract me. That's what's great about meditating as soon as you wake up. There's, uh, once you've disciplined the monkey mind not to annoy you with what happened yesterday and distract you with what happened yesterday, and you get that clarity. Ding. So I would go there, and one morning it said, this part of me, began to introduce itself as a nebula. And every day I would go to this nebula, and the nebula said, well, what we're going to do today is you're going to, through me, have a most amazing experience. Now, the nebula, who was, before the, it wasn't even defined by atoms. When it became a nebula, it, this part of me became more defined as atoms. And so that was an incarnation that that part of me experiences, the nebula. Okay, so the nebula says to me, I have I want you to see this. This is the first incarnation, past nebula. Okay, and what happened was it generated a body, which I now understand to be, let's call it a crystal rock, just a solid bunch of atoms together in one place, delineating a particular form like that. And then the nebula explained that while it was a nebula, it was formless, and it was uninhibited by where it was. It was just simply in any form it happened to delight to choose. And now that it's in this form, um, as soon as it was in the form, the nebula went back to wanting to be free and, and flying around, but found itself stuck, found itself stuck to the form. And that was the very first fear, and that is a universal fear, and it's a fear that we all have this idea of being stuck and gives rise to thoughts of suicide, gives rise, uh, rise to thoughts of um, being imprisoned, gives rise to limitation, gives rise to low self-esteem. I'm caught in this place. Uh, but no, not really. But it certainly looks like that. And uh, we've agreed to stay the show. We've agreed to uh, continue incarnate in order that we accomplish what it is we accomplish. So we don't have to feel that we are trapped here. We can feel that we are here by choice. And then recognizing that not only that is choice, but that everything that ever happened in your life is choice, a choice you made, the uh, language codes book and so forth where I wrote out the death experience and I explained that I met the guy that shot me to death and recognized that it was my choice that he shoot me to death, further recognized that I would not forgive him because would not, oh there we go, the language codes and the self-empowerment uh, protocols book which is where we get a bit more advanced. We're still I didn't cover much of this in the self-empowerment books, but you're getting it now. And you may consider uh, searching those out. 
Uh, let me see. Whoa, 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 whoa. I put that somewhere. We had found the nebula. It had explained being incarnate. Uh, that incarnation had uh, resulted in experiencing. The experiencing had resulted in the false idea of limitation and to expand beyond that. So at a certain point, and on another day, uh, when I went to see this part of me, I was amazed to find it expressing itself as, well, let's call it a ribbon, or a stream, or a flow, or a wire, and it's popularly known as a silver thread. And in case one might be forgetful, it's not possible to break this silver thread. It is you, you are going through incarnation. And so <clears throat> on a particular day, when it presented itself as a thread, I decided that I would follow it. And it, it went from below my consciousness. I, uh, to introduce this, there was a, a pocket that opened where I saw the thread. And so I went down into the pocket to find out where that was, and then came back to where I was seeing it, and then went and it went in an enormous, well, it, I first perceived it as a straight line, and it went from God clear through to where I was my own universe, and thought not much more of it that day, in that that was very complete in its thinking. Uh, some time later on, when it presented itself in this thread form again, I followed it again and found that it went all the way through the universe and all the way into my own universe and all the way back again so that it was in an enormous hoop circle form. Now, oh, interesting, okay. Which then gave me a different perspective on what else is new time. And so I could appear, at least anywhere along that line I wished, you could call it a timeline, and then that gets into another whole debate we're not going to have here at the moment because I have other things to explain. And uh, let me take our caller. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, Neville uh, Craig from uh, Centerville. Hey, how are we doing? Good. I uh, listen to you uh, when I get a chance. Um, oh. the, you were talking about love a little while ago, and I just wanted to relay an experience uh, okay. that I had the other day. I was uh, sitting reading my Bible, and uh, I got up to get a cup of coffee, and I saw a uh, uh, gray cat, which had been beating up on my uh, black cat, <laughs> and I had a feeling of hate for that. That's a strong word, but I had a feeling of hate for that gray cat, and I thought, uh, why am I having these feelings? And so I... Uh, thought uh, maybe it's ownership. If I owned that gray cat, uh, like my white cat, which also beats up on my black cat, that Whoa. they were just, you know, so, uh, sorting out a hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And that um, if I owned that black cat and the white cat and the gray cat, that I would uh, not hate, that I would love all of them. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, so I was thinking, is it an ownership thing, and uh, is that the cause of evil, 
or uh, is it not expanding my family large enough? Uh, is it a is it an ownership situation, or is it a family circle that's not expanded large enough? Well, all of those are correct answers. There's a few more correct answers we might take a look at. In the um, hate's a tricky one, and the mnemonic that goes with that is what you hate, you recreate. And you see how we've, in life, had an experience we didn't care for, and then the experience recreated itself, and then recreated itself. That's the, the stickiness about that. Now, uh, let me just see if anybody else wanted to speak. There, the concept of good and evil, and as you know, the Bible talks about putting the way, away the things of childhood. So in the uh, book, the Protocols book, I talk about changing to Trinity thinking. Um, Trinity thinking is a single axiom. Any two things, good and evil, that you think are opposites, there's a third thought that allows you to recognize the two as the same thing. Once you retrain the thought, see, we have a very bipolar mind. It's good or it's bad, it's up or it's down, it's back or it's forth, it's red or it's green, it's all, and we just flop between the polarity, and that's uh, it's one or it's zero. That's, that's the way in which we've been brought up thinking. The next level of thinking up is the idea of trinity. Okay. Now, the axiom, there's a thought that allows you to recognize any two opposites as the same thing. Okay. So, let's do it simply first. Red and green, red and green are the same thing because they are both color, and they're both signals, uh, and they're both an abhorrent fashion statement, and they're both Christmas. And if it's Christmas, they're a mandatory fashion statement. And so we've had a number of things, five or six things, that would allow us to recognize red and green as the same thing, but only that one word, opposite, that has allowed us to put them there and there in our thinking. Once they are the same thing, and it's more like once they are the same thing, then a new door opens. So good and evil, which we have been trained from the beginning of this lifetime, and we parade through life with a bucket of paint where we assign a value that's bad, that's good, that's bad, that's good, and we spend a lifetime and use up many buckets of paint, and then we reincarnate and proceed to do the same thing again. So then we want to search for, and it's not that difficult to search, how is it, um, how is it good and evil are the same thing? And very apparently, and perhaps up front, well, they're both judgment. And all judgment is prejudgment. In other words, you have this mindset and you look for things to fit into it. Okay, and the same thing with the evil or whatever, and you look for things to fit into it, and you spend your lifetime putting things into these pre-existing notations. Okay, fine. So, good and evil are judgment, they are pre-judgment. Got it, okay. Good and evil are both decisions. Good and evil are both teams that we play for. Good and evil are both, and this is the one that turned me around. From there on, it was all gone. Good and evil are both teachers. 
So if I fess up, I have to say the people that were the most evil towards me, and I've known a few, have been actually brilliant teachers. And um, those that have been good love mom, love the teachings, love the Bible, love everything, love it. Still not quite the same, but definitely a very positive and necessary form of teaching is good. Both. Okay. Now, once they become the same thing, and we no longer have to paint the world with those colors, how ironic the black, white, and gray cat. Um, what an interesting view of things, and black, white, and gray would be a trinity yet again. Something, a thought that allows you to see the two as the same thing. Are you still there? Do you follow? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Noel. Yeah, so this idea of changing from polarity thinking to trinity thinking will so separate us from the mass of humanity as to no longer really be visible. I've, I've explained this in front of church groups. I've explained this on the, uh, the, where I'm selling the books. I've explained it to total strangers. I've explained it a thousand different times. And at the end of the, the seminar that I do on this subject, I go to the audience and, I, and anybody in our audience tonight is there any polarity that you cannot recognize why it is the same thing? So people have said to me, a car battery, let's see you explain that. And I said, well, as soon as you turn on the car, you have uh, activated the trinity. So you have plus, minus, and the use of the two. And then people would say, oh, men and women, let's see you get out of that one. I say, well, they both want to please the other gender. They both want to be successful. They both want to, well, control the other gender. They both want to be in charge. They both want to be taken charge of. And so there's hundreds of thousands, very apparent reasons why men and women are, besides sucking oxygen and the, the rest of the, um, the body stuff, uh, even the mind stuff, um, and still, that's one that we still keep polarized very much in our thinking. But then that would be man, woman, and child, or man, woman, and love, or man, woman, and being. Um, just lots of them there. So the, the, and as I said, that's very carefully explained, I didn't say, very carefully explained in the Protocols book, ironically. The third protocol uh, is about Trinity. So that's the, the answer you're seeking there is to see this in, terms of trinities. Otherwise, okay. Thank yeah. you very much, Noah. Well, thank you for calling in. That was inspiring. Uh, we'd love to hear from you again, anytime. So, I was uh, explaining the daily meditation where I meet the part of me that I have come to regard as the primary self, the pulse that is us. So, if we talk about the idea of the ocean, and we see a um, wave go through the ocean. And as our scientists will tell us, that's not an atom uh, water molecule doing that. The water molecule stays, stays right where it is as the wave goes through. But it is a flow. And so one day I came to recognize this part of me as a flow. And so I looked very carefully at this little ribbon uh, very carefully at this little thread or silver thread, however you want to, and I could detect no movement in it. 
it simply was. And so then it occurred to me that I could go into this thing and go for a ride along it. I was very pleasantly surprised to find that when I was traveling through this ribbon that I was going uh, at a 60 degree spiral through the thing. If you have a bottle of water and you turn it upside down and you wait for it to drain, the last bit of the water goes, goes out in a, an exact spiral. That's at, <coughs> pardon me, 60 degrees. Not temperature, the angle. Okay. So <coughs> that was the ride. So for some time I would go for a ride on this thing and I would pop out of it at certain points just to see what was going on. It was a very interesting technique. I found it possible to access past lives of my own by spiraling through this. Uh, one morning I, I went to this part of me and it was um, uh, two spirals with little bridges across the DNA, the DNA uh, blueprint, and I found that to be very interesting. And I would um, pick at random, so to speak, a particular crossbar um, and see what that had to say. And so that would open up days and days and days. I had uh, just, um, my idea is that I don't leave examining this part of me until I found something that I didn't know. Um, uh, and so I'm getting good at it. It hasn't taken so long lately to discover something new, new in there that I hadn't seen before. So voila, there is a brief, and that is brief, introduction to the primary self. Um, as I said, the hoop, and then um, one day the, how do we explain that? And it crossed itself in a nexus, and so made the infinity sign. And then I recognized that there was a bar coming, making the um, three axes, axes, axi. Um, and then that opened an interesting gate. And then uh, another place where I examined this part of me as related to other beings, animal, plant, other beings, and found an endless tapestry of woven, there isn't really a word, circumstance, the choreography. And we have for so long taught that there's no such thing as a victim, uh, illustrated by my being shot to death and loving the person for having shot me because it was my idea that he shoot me. So anything you see out there, you know, the um, abused child, the automobile accident, the rest of that, everybody agreed to participate in that experience. The child, the adult, the automobile, the atoms that made everybody agreed to that, to have the experience because that's the way it works. That's the way the flow occurs. We build these bodies and have these lifetimes in order to experience. And one of the many, many trinities written of in the book is the Teflon Trinity. And that's where you recognize that, well, true or false, we came here to evolve. 
I'll give you true on that. Yeah, true. We came here to evolve, and we evolved by having experiences. Again, true or false? Yeah, okay. We have an experience. We evolve from it. True. I'll give you true on that. Okay. Therefore, well, a conclusion. You never spoke of a conclusion. Well, I'm talking about it now. Um, there is no such thing as a bad experience because it helps us evolve. There is subsequently no such thing as a good experience because it helps us evolve. Therefore, one can logically and in a Socratic way state that there is only experience. Not good, not bad, just experience. At that point, you can become indelibly free. It's just an experience. Moreover, in the, and it is an experience that you chose. Speaking of which, hi, caller. What's your name, please? My name is Patricia. Patricia, what can I do for you? Uh, I'm going to ask you uh, to speak more about thoughts of suicide. I think you mentioned thoughts of suicide and yeah. uh, what uh, causes people to have them and and just exactly um, what happens if people do commit suicide? Does that mean they don't to keep up to what they've agreed to do in this lifetime? No, no, not possible. Mm -hmm. Not possible. They agreed to have the experience of suicide. What we know about that is to be continued later. <laughs> You've seen a show that has ended at that moment. You wanted to know more, and then they say to be continued. And that's basically the deal. Uh, it is an exercise of free will. Anyone may choose this, and we do not have to. Okay, so the choice to end your life is the choice to go to the other side. It's First of all, there's a lot of healing to do here, and I do understand this. And um, When we're on the other side, we're very curious about what would happen if we were incarnate and think about experiences we might have while we're incarnate but don't really get the same traction, the same evolution from just being in spirit without being in body. Now, the minute we're in body, we immediately start to think about what it would be like to be on the other side, where it is pain-free, where it is... okay. So you see how people can get caught back and forth in that. You follow? Yes. Okay, so someone may make the decision, gee, I'm just going to go to the other side. The minute they're there, they put themselves online to get back into incarnation. There isn't really such a thing as hell. What there is, and not hell at all, what there is is education. No matter what you do, you are going to remember because of doing it. Experiencing creates knowledge. The knowledge will eventually create wisdom, and the wisdom will eventually create evolution. And that's who we are and what we do. If someone tags early, um, check please. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, the wake left behind is an experience. I've, so many of us have passed, and we know a lot of people that we've known people that have passed, and it takes a while for this, and I understand it takes a while, but I'm a person who was shot to death. I did 
pass, I did come back to this very body to bring the information I'm about to give you, which is that when you're on the other side, it's just okay. Everything is just wonderful. There are worlds unimagined on this side to explore. But then eventually, or rapidly, you get to the point where you want to come back into incarnation. And then you, you sign up, and you build another body, and you have another life. Now, in that person who chooses to end their life, and we've been taught that that is a tragedy, but it's not. It's just an experience. The wake left behind, okay, is something that person who suicides will has contracted to experience. You understand that? Yes. Okay. So what an interesting, <clears throat> that's sort of an ultimate free will thing. I may choose to end my life. Well, all right. Um, then again, I might not. It's just an experience. So once we understand that death is nothing, no life has ever been cut short, not once, not ever. That does not happen. It's a trick in the language. It's not possible to have your life cut short. I see. Well, I thank you very much. Well, thank you. Yeah, we wish this in such, please understand the kindness and love that comes with this. To free you from this is very important because once you recognize that that other, the person who is gone is not actually gone. They are in another place, they're having experiences, and they will be back. And there's so many people we've healed uh, through uh, past lives, and uh, a countless number of people have lost a loved one in a past life. And every one of them has found that lost person present in their life today. When I take people into the past life for they to see for themselves, that um, that other person is back. Oh my God, they're back. Ah. Well, thank you very much. That was a brilliant call. I, I loved hearing from you. Please call in again. Let us know how that, and I understand the healing involved there. They left. It's okay. I don't know how many people I've known who've known other people who've suicided, and I see the effect, but it's just another experience. And you can change your mind. I was shot to death and changed my mind and came back to the very body. This is 40 years ago now. Can you imagine that? 40 years I've been back here doing this. All right, so I shall continue. Um, we were explaining meeting the primary self as what it is you can um, to open up realms for you. And you could uh, travel that along to find the point where you left incarnation. Um, it's, uh, we've been taught so many primitive methods of thinking. Um, someone chose to tap themselves out, and they'll choose to tap themselves back. From the nexus, from the point of view of the infinite unbroken spiral that is who we are, this is just one more um, carnival ride you can go on. Just one more thing you can do. I'm not recommending it. I'm just stating that it's not to be written up in the form of um, 
uh, you giving up your life force over it. So the experiencing of the primary self. Now, I don't know how much time uh, we have. What do we have roughly? Eight. Eight minutes? No duck. No duck. Okay. All right. We're not doing the duck. We've ducked out on the duck. Uh, For those waiting for the duck, all over. Okay. If you would like to come and volunteer to be the duck dangler, we would love to hear from you. All right. Well, then in the few moments, relatively few moments I have left, the... um, That was a harmony. I'm back now. Whoa. When uh, in the book I write about having been shot to death and I'm at a certain point in heaven on the other side and I'm doing basically a cook's tour of uh, heaven and they invite me into this experience, so I agree to do it. And uh, having suddenly the awareness of the planet Earth as though I'm in atmosphere around the planet Earth and in this moment, I can hear every conversation on earth. And it makes a rhythm. It makes a vibration. It makes a visible pulsation going through me, which is very interesting. Okay. So now another aspect of my daily meditation after building the Merkaba and after experiencing the primary self there's a system that I go through that allows me to choose a topic to view from local earth here. Uh, for example, one, one morning I chose to experience rain in the same way that I experienced everyone speaking, making a rhythm, making a vibration come off of the earth. So when I listen to all of the raindrops falling throughout the entire planet, I got the um, uh, getting this in language. Okay, so the drops going through the atmosphere, and the drop itself is becoming oxygenated as it slams into oxygen molecules. Pretty much they all go around, but a couple of them get into the drop, and that causes the drop to have a different consciousness. And then that goes splat, dunk. And so that effect of that, that, does that describe it? On that scale, that much of that happening allowed me to recognize I, I just, life is the word that comes to me. Um, I can see how life happened with rainstorms. I can see uh, anybody that's got a lawn knows that when it rains, the lawn's going to become more lawn-like, greener, lusher, etc. Um, well, go explore for yourself. Take the patent, take the um, the idea of your ability to experience. Uh, At another point, I looked at uh, all of the rivers, all of the streams, all of the tributaries, all water that was in movement as what it is I would listen to. That's basically the word. 
or experience. And uh, the flow, there's a hundred thousand things. I listened to every heartbeat on earth at one point, uh, which was not so long ago. I asked on the show if insects had a heart. Uh, and because I was picking up insects from this listening to all heart, and I, I narrowed that down to figure out that vibration was being made by the couple uh, trillion, <laughs> many trillion insects on earth. The waveform generator, um, this device that I've shown on the show so much, um, reminds me of this process of the earth giving off vibrations and what vibration you're going to tune into. And the um, uh, with the waveform generator, you choose a particular vibration for the device to give off so that it bounces back and comes into your life. So we've had so many things vibrate out and bounce back in. Uh, this show will be on the uh, in the archives before long. The um, waveform generators are looking for good homes. Uh, the we will be at Ruby Tuesdays. Roll the R, Ruby Tuesdays uh, in Fairfax Circle. If you're out and about and would like to join us, and let me see what else we have. Um, um, much, much more. There are so many more opportunities to be had. There's so much more of uh, telepathic TV. Um, I'm finding more and more that um, my handwriting, I'll, uh, when I was talking about the uh, nexus form of the primary self, I made a symbol to describe it uh, in my notes rather than writing it out. Just put the symbol down which is hieroglyphics. The hieroglyphics won't quite get translated because you have to have someone who knows what it means tells you what the symbol stands for. Uh, latter day here we can guess, but we're very likely to superimpose our own belief system on the symbol to get it to appear understandable to us. But I guarantee you there's a story nobody ever thought of behind each and every symbol, behind each and every hieroglyphic. However, we do telepathically communicate in symbols, which would be a whole other program. But the idea of beginning to translate from language into symbol or into symbol language is a very big step forward for us. So uh, if it's in your field, go ahead and pull in the uh, protocols book, the language codes book, and. Uh, we're soon to be out of time, so I want to thank Honor, Love, and Praise you for agreeing to the experience of this program. And uh, give us an email. Let us know how this worked. Um, let us know um, further information. Um, I believe we're on sabbatical next week, so there won't be a show this week, but will be afterwards. And there will. There will be, which is the 30th, if I'm correct. Evidently, I'm correct, and also out of time, so both answers are correct. But while there's still a moment left, there's a couple hundred thousand points I would love to make, but I'll just stick with love. And there you go. This is what we're talking about. Okay. Muy gracias. However that works. Probably Latin would be easier for me. Certainly Sanskrit.
And two, one, and love you. Thank you.